Hello and welcome to Fresh Face Comics, the comic book podcast where a lifelong comic book reader guides his friend through the world of comics for the first time. My name is Joey Morgan, the aforementioned lifelong reader. With me as always is Jacob Licklider, the aforementioned newbie. Tonight, the part of Jacob will be played by Clayface. Clayface! Um, and joining us to talk about Harley Quinn, yeah, HBO Max's DC Universe's Harley Quinn, uh, we have our friend Marcus Cotton. I am this podcast's reckoning! <laughs> and look, I don't think it's going to be a super long episode. I just, I just have to talk about this show, because I fucking it's, love this it's show. It's a great show. Like... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm kind of pissed at myself for, like, not getting around to it for so long. I first watched this just, like, middle of last year, like, July, August-ish. And um, and I was just so pissed at myself. I was like, oh, my God, it's so good. Why haven't I watched this before? And um, and take this, I guess, as, as, uh, as, as a warning to those listening. We're mostly going to be talking spoilers. We're going to be light on spoilers to start with. Um... But it's a spoiler-filled discussion on the nature of the show. Like the nature of the show requires that we describe specific scenarios, so we need to sort of go all in on that kind of stuff. Um, so if you haven't seen the show, watch it. It's fantastic. Um, and then come back to us, or just listen to us. Whatever, whatever you want to do. I'm not your mom. I don't know. Don't you don't need to listen to me. Um, but yeah, very excited to talk about this. Um, we've seen all the episodes, including the most recent uh, Valentine's Day special, which we will also be dedicating some time to. I'm assuming more towards the end of the episode. We may or um, may not get, give this episode a sequel when more of the show comes out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I'm sure season four will get its own episode. Um, so yeah, we uh, we will talk about that. Um, what is this our seventh bonus episode now? Uh, yes, and yeah, our wow. first bonus episode of 2023. Oh, that is true. That is true. Our last one came out very late 2022, so yes. very happy to have this here. Um, so I guess uh, opening up our conversation, would we rather do uh, talk about the cast of the show, or do we want to get into Twitter questions first? I... Let's do I Twitter questions what? first. Yeah, let's do the questions first. Okay, sounds good. Um, starting off with a, with, with a more comment than a question, uh, our friend Jamie, at Jamie underscore season seven, says, I really should get around to watching past season one. Uh, absolutely, Jamie, you should. Um, it's, yes. Yeah, it, just, you have to. If nothing else, I mean, like, season three is easily the best one yet and um it, it it only gets crazier from past season one so yeah uh absolutely watch it uh our friend english giraffe at english underscore giraffe says genuinely love this series a lot uh it has some great comedy anything to do with king shark clayface gordon is hilarious um but there's also some really sweet moments too like harley and ivy um season one and three are just great need to catch up with the valentine's day special my question is if you've read the tie-in comics alongside the show uh the eat bang kill tour and legion of bats um me personally i have read the eat bang kill tour um and i read the first two issues of legion of bats i think i'm just gonna wait for the trade for uh, for the rest of that um but i enjoy them i think uh i think sometimes the comics do sort of fail to capture the exact voices of the show um it's only because it's being written by someone that, that that doesn't write for the show um but i do really enjoy them they carry a really fun energy with them um, the same energy of the show is there and uh it, it's very much enjoyable i don't think either of you have written them, i written have not i Honestly, seeing that that um, tweet was the first time I learned there were tie-in comics. Oh, really? Um, 
That's interesting. Though it's uh, DC, so I shouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so E-Bang Kyotor takes place between seasons two and three, and Legion of Bats, which I believe is still coming out, is uh, is between seasons three and four, and the upcoming season four. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they're fun. They're fun. Um, I mean, there's no abs- reason we couldn't cover them someday as a separate bonus episode with season four or something. That is true. Uh, that is absolutely true. Um yeah, and they're good. Um, not absolutely essential to watching the show, though. Um, but I enjoy them. And then uh, our last set of Twitter questions come from our friend Mason at the GD two fifty six. His first question is: What is your favorite and least favorite episode of the show? Who would like to take that away? Well, I know Marcus, you have a favorite episode. Yes, mine is the season three episode Joker: The Killing Vote, and I'll <laughs> and we'll talk about that more when we get into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a least favorite? Yes, and I'm not saying it's bad, but I will explain my big problem with it because it's not really spoiler it. My least favorite is the first episode, Till Death Do Us Part, just oh, because it fall just because it falls into that trap of, hey, we're an animated show for an ad- for adults. Watch us be edgy and raunchy for no other reason to be ed- than to be edgy and raunchy. The That's rest of the series mellows out and finds its footing, but episode one just really falls into that trap. Huh. I don't think I have a least favorite, but honestly, I I really love the first episode. I don't think it's any, like, particularly any more, like, vulgar or raunchy than the rest of the show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch that. Jacob, any thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I actually, I, I do actually have a least epi- favorite episode, and it's, it's an episode of, of season one. It's, it's, it's episode 10, Bensonhurst. Okay. Um, oh. Not because it doesn't, like, not because it doesn't, like, do, like, a total awful things. I really don't like like the a plot of that episode a lot like in the way that it it portrays itself it's it's very it's almost kind of off from the rest of the show while also doing something that's important like not that it's bad huh because um, i really because that's the stuff with our family right yeah yes see i really like that I, I i mean to be fair like there's very little of this show that i don't like um so i don't have a least favorite um that's really interesting both of your choices are really interesting <laughs> i think here's the problem though for least favorites is because of recency bias, um, either um, the penultimate episode of season three. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Climax at Jazzapajizza. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> or the Valentine's Day special. Like, Valentine's Day special is so fucking good. Um, I think uh, I think you both of you know this. My favorite episode of the show is uh, It's a Swamp Thing. It it's definitely my vertigo bias, but also Music Meister content. So you know, oh, it's true. <laughs> I, I will say, I think I think this is a show that like each season is is better and more put together than the last. That's interesting because like, I do think I prefer season one to two. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like there's a slight dip in season two. Not too bad. Season two is still great, but oh, yeah, I do I, think. Oh it's yeah, I love deeper. season two. I think season two pulls its punches a bit. Um, compared to like how hard seasons one and three go, like three especially, three goes so fucking hard in its and content. Also, I, I feel like it's because season two is doing two different things. I feel like by the end of season two, the fact that the first half of it was an adaptation of No Man's Land is completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's um, true. But I, I, I just, I really like the way season two especially ends. I agree. Yeah, I do love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's a. Uh, I, I, 
I don't dislike any seasons. Like I said, there, there's very little of this show I don't like. Um, but yeah, season two is probably about like the only dip I would say that there is as a whole, but I still love it. It's it's really great. Um, Mason's second question says, was there anything about the show that surprised you? Maybe you liked a character you thought you'd hate, um, which is a really interesting question for me, especially, I guess, because I... I think I'm just like so open to the DC universe that I don't think I I hate any characters. Um, so there's no, I guess there's no character that like you know turned out to be a star that surprised me or anything. Um, although I guess the closest that I, I would come to that would be um um ah oh god what's his name uh shit uh, uh Cy- cyborgman um he's a character that was created for the uh for the amanda connor uh harley quinn run back in, in the new 52 and uh was one that like oh i found funny in the comic but i was like you know he's he's fine i guess um but in this show he's uh he's played by jason alexander and he is so insanely funny i absolutely love him um really great stuff there um anyone else for that question i um, for, for me oh, the go ahead, character... yeah sorry um the character I was most worried about, because before I actually watched the show, I saw compilation clips on YouTube, and the character I was most worried about that I ended up loving was actually Clayface. Just because in general, in fiction, I really don't like the Ector stereotype, and mm. that's what it felt like Clayface was, but it's done really well. Yeah, yeah, and and Alan Tudyk is just so fucking funny. I adore him. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. Jacob? Um... You know what? Uh, it's a character who um, uh, I know features in the Tom King run of Batman somehow, but Kite Man. <laughs> Kite like, Man, yes, hell yeah. Like, so like, <laughs> it, and this was like almost steps and 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 like steps up and down because like I was like with season one, I'm like Ooh, you know they make him really kind of sympathetic. He's fun, mm-hmm. but then you see where season two goes. Yeah, where you know season two kind of was was always going to go, and I'm like, oh, I really hope they don't fuck this plot line up yeah and, and poor kite yeah, man like no, you just, genuinely feel like, bad for him i think yeah and even by the end of season two i i love that just kite man is just a complete rejection of tos- toxic masculinity yeah oh absolutely yeah it, it, like it's i don't know i love that the show in the end of course does go for for harley and ivy together but i genuinely enjoy ivy's time with kite man um yeah so my favorite scenes in the early parts of the show are just them together it's really great stuff um and then mason's last question and our last question for our twitter segment is uh king shark in this or king shark in the suicide squad um two very different portrayals but both comedic portrayals oddly enough um marcus have you seen the suicide squad i have not okay interesting um do do you know like anything about his portrayal in that just that he's voiced by sylvester stallone (laughs) okay gotcha uh jacob i know you obviously you've seen both um Um, what are your thoughts on that I prefer him in this, mm. probably because he's more of an active character that, like, has his, has, like, a, a fully fleshed out arc and isn't just comedic relief. Mm. Um, it, it also, I mean, it. I don't know how King Shark is generally portrayed in the comics. I imagine... I mean... Nowadays, especially, he's used more comedically. But even like as far back as I would say, like early New Fifty Two, people were like using him as a, as a comedic character. Um, uh, also, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 not too far off. Just obviously more exaggerated here and in the Suicide Squad. Also, in this, he's just so damn adorable. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like I remember when he made his debut and he pulled out his laptop and then he put his on his little glasses and I was just like, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's played by uh by Ron Fuchs. Uh, uh Fuchs? I, I don't know how how do you pronounce that? Uh Fuchs? I'm uh, not sure. I'm not sure. I I apologize. Um uh but yeah, he's great. He he he, uh, he gives like so much charm to the character. He's he's really great. Um all right, I guess that about does it. Um I want to talk about the cast briefly of this show. Um both in its regular cast and the insane guest stars they get for this thing. Um, but My first God, of all, the guest cast of this show, like, oh yeah. But first, I wanted to mention. Um, I remember because I said that uh, that I had waited a really long time to actually get around to watching this show. Um, I, I waited. I, I just watched it the middle of last year, and it had been on obviously for a couple of years already at that point. And I remember the reason that I had not gotten around to it for so long wasn't because of like the way the show was being done or or the fact that it was more of a comedy than anything. Um, I was initially really turned off by the idea of uh, Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn um, because it's uh, it's Kaylee Cuoco. She's not going to give you a traditional portrayal of Harley Quinn and she doesn't, but there's something about it that totally works and I can never quite put my finger on it. Well, I, I think, I think I, it's I, because it is so different from your traditional Harley Quinn. Mm. What it is is she's not trying to be Arlene Sorkin. Like, yeah, she yeah. is taking this character, a character she clearly appreciates and likes and is making it her own. Um, mm-hmm. Which is very as, much in line with the show, because the show is about Harley Quinn becoming her own person. As well as probably showing up to a lot of people who are, say, jaded with the Big Bang, Bang Theory as, as, a, as a media property. Um, that is true. I remember when Harley Quinn was first announced, like when the trailers came out, like, Kuoka was the thing that got the most pushback. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm ashamed to admit I was one of those people. I was like, oh god, fucking Kaylee Cook, are you like are you serious? Um but I had watched you know, her when... I'd watched her in the flight attendant since, and that's a great show. She's awesome in that. Um she and has actual really... good comedic talent and like like The Big Bang Theory is probably like one of the my like least favorite shows that I've ever seen anything from. Like I haven't like watched it like all the way through. I've seen like random episodes and every time there's an episode I just I feel I, like Big Bang Theory as a show is so restrictive of the genuine talent that they have on there, you know? I mean, like, the, the cast is... The, yeah, the acting talent, I should say. Like, the people acting in the show, the main cast... And, I mean, I great. just... The thing that always got me about the Big Bang Theory is, like, I don't know where I first heard this, but it's a perversion of nerd culture. Like, that is not nerd culture that's being portrayed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... But yeah, I do love Coco in the role. Um, she's awesome. Uh, on the rest of the cast, uh, our second main star is uh, Lake Bell as Poison Ivy, who I just adore the portrayal of. Um, she gives this really dry humor to, uh, to, to Pamela Isley, and I just, I, I really enjoy it every time just, I hear it. Like, I love that she's the straight woman. Like, everyone else is bouncing off these crazy ideas and, or, you know, doing all these crazy things. And just, and she's just like rubbing her temples and sighing and going, you fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which again, like, also... I've, I've come to really appreciate a good straight man in comedy. That, and Ivy is that for this series. Absolutely. Yeah. Which also makes it really funny too. Cause, cause like Bill does get those moments too. when Ivy is allowed to like act out as a character and, and have those moments of excitement or anger. And it makes those moments even more enjoyable because she is, is the straight woman most of the time. Um, and then uh, I meant, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'd also say it's really interesting for Ivy as a character because poison Ivy as a villain is like in the modern day, it's kind of hard to write. Like, Mm -hmm. 
doesn't really have a whole great like all that great of a place considering you know obviously like the character originates in sort of like the the, the immediate post batman 66 of let's just do villain with a theme so lady who po- controls plants and does yeah. plant-based crimes yeah and abs- the way yeah. that's evolved is is fascinating and interesting but it's hard to make like in 2023 where we have you know climate change is a thing yeah which is something they point out too it's like oh yeah well you pull off one of your plant crimes and she's like yeah sure if saving the environment is still considered a crime whatever you know it's just like i love that um yeah we genuinely call that out and, and we give ivy i think a new purpose in this show um i mentioned it briefly earlier but alan tudyk plays a menagerie of roles in this show um they, the two big ones of course being a uh, clayface who you mentioned already and uh, his portrayal of the joker i find fascinating um because he's not doing any sort of impression he's not trying to be like any other joker out there um certainly the, no joker design, certainly no joker that i know <laughs> the design it changes in flashbacks too which is very interesting to like sort of mix between like portrayals like the two big ones that i see the design shifting from is is obviously heath ledger and mm-hmm. um jared leto yeah. um uh, whereas you have Tudyk's performance kind of being an amalgam of, like, every portrayal of the Joker. And I know Marcus loves the character arc that they give him because they give him a character arc. Yeah, it's insane. It's like, they give a redemption arc to the Joker and it works. It totally But they works. never write him out of character. No. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, it, it, it's a it, yeah. I, I love the way he's portrayed in this, and uh, and as as said before, like Alan Tudyk is an insane talent, and uh, and should be absolutely everywhere in the in the entertainment industry right now. <laughs> um, we talked about King Shark already. Um, we got to talk about Tony Hale as Doctor Psycho, um, who who is is the probably the strangest addition to the main cast you know like he's a character you don't hear about too much um and he's thrown thrown in here like as the comedic character that he should be um and then ends up becoming a villain about like halfway through the show like a genuine villain like one of the villains of antagonists of the show um i mean it, it helps that he was never really like he never really fit in for good reasons because he's <laughs> they portray him as a massive sexist yeah which again somehow works um yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> he he loses any his his credit so so the universe that this show sets up is also just fascinating because it it kind of just sort of takes ideas and runs with them like the legion of doom is an actual organization yeah, they have like, like memberships like the Justice League and it's just like, yes, oh, yeah. like you know like you have you have the Wendy Williams parody Tawny yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. I love the way that he, like, interacts with that. And actually, funnily enough, I got to talk about him. I, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself a bit because he's not, like, a regular regular. But um, fucking Giancarlo Esposito is Lex Luthor in this show. <laughs> oh, God. And, again, first off, great casting. I love that. Um, and he has, like, the perfect voice for it. Um, but on the way that, like, the Legion of Doom is portrayed in this. Like, I love that he's just, like, oh, he's just... He, Lex Luthor is the genuine businessman that he is. He's just actually running an evil organization now. <laughs> so and then, yeah. like, 
and then like in later episodes, they introduce the whole thing with his cat, which is hilarious. Like he's yes. got a bassinet for it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, he's so good. And uh, of course, Giancarlo Esposito is just another insane talent that should be everywhere. Yeah, um, no, but it's also like like I want Giancarlo Esposito to have the chance to play Lex Luthor straight in something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, of oh, of all the so actors good. who play their roles here, the two actors I want to see given the chance to play it straight are Giancarlo Esposito and Christopher Maloney. Yes. Okay. So I was going to bring him up soon anyway. Um, Christopher Maloney, who, first off, I think I only knew from Man of Steel. Um, he's the dude that uh, that gets killed by Feora towards the end. and um, Or I guess kills himself along with Feora. Um, and, uh, and he's Commissioner Gordon in this. And he's uh, Gore, the portrayal of Gordon throughout this. I, th- I think is hilarious. Um, just uh, <laughs> the uh, the Gordon that, it, it, which is something that's happened in the comics too. You know, Gordon with a failing marriage. You know, <laughs> um, and just totally down on his luck. But they take it to the extreme here. Um, well, it's very much like let's let's let this is a show that knows when to really exaggerate and make characters different different enough from their comic counterpart and gordon's like the perfect example of this like like no gordon's a gordon's a corrupt awful cop Mm -hmm. um because that's who christopher that that's that that's that's who james gordon probably would be in the real world let's be honest hey hey you're probably right but hey um (laughs) it saddens me but it's true and but gordon's also just this total idiot in the show mm-hmm. like like everything bad that happens to him is his fault essentially yeah. um, and it's perfect um, like um and and like by the like like by the end of the first season we have already had one gordon episode where he's he's trying to build the confidence in himself in one of the best episodes of the show in general uh you're a damn you're a damn good cop, Tom Gordon. <laughs> um, with, with um the, the the Clayface hand, right? Yes. Yes. Voiced by Tom fucking Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is so funny because I it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh man, the person voicing Clayface's hands just sounds like SpongeBob. Oh fuck, that's Tom Kenny. Like, yeah, <laughs> because it's SpongeBob. He's just doing the SpongeBob voice. <laughs> um, and in, and he just he just falls down a hole. Like there are bits where he's riding a tank. And yeah, <laughs> wants to control like all of Batman's gadgets. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good. Just like um, like one of my favorite moments again is from the Killing Vote because like for over a decade Christopher Maloney was actually one of the leads in Law and Order, so they kind of give him a joke about that. You know, it's like two face crimes like this are considered especially heinous. <laughs> That's why they made that joke. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um. Another regular on the show that I absolutely love, and uh, an original character for the show, um, Frank the Plant, played by J.B. Smoove. Um, who is just Audrey, too, from Little Shop of Horrors. He's, that's all he is. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and Little Shop is, is one of my favorite films and, and just plays of all time. I love it. Um, and it's, I, I just love the way it's portrayed here. He's literally doing, like, like the same kind of voice. <laughs> it's the same portrayal. Um, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, he's the devil on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, he, he, like, he just, like, he just, he just like, wants like, chaos. They established that, like, early on, like, episode two, after the whole Howick Mandel thing. It's like, Harley, don't do this. Please do that shit. <laughs> yeah. 
And the question is, whose shoulder is he on? He is on like everyone's shoulder. He's at everybody's some shoulder, especially the ones that don't have angels to counteract him. <laughs> He's on the audience's shoulder at points. <laughs> um, there are times when you agree with him. You're like, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Do what he says, please. I, I want to see how that turns out. Also, um, give him more weed because the image of a plant smoking weed is hilarious. I fucking love that. Oh my god, yeah. And then also, not only is he is he fucking hilarious, but he ha- is like one of those pivotal plot points of late season three too. Oh. So like, I don't know, I just love that that he's a genuinely useful character at the same time. I mean, season one as well. Like, he's the one who finds Harley during the events of Bensonhurst. That's true. That's true. And you get the image of him driving a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course, I got to mention. Uh, I just want to bring up like two or three more before we start moving into, uh, into the individual seasons. Um, I got to talk about Diedrich Bader as Batman, um, who, I mean, again, a comedic portrayal of the character, but also a portrayal of the character that genuinely understands the character. Um, I, I, I think, especially to the uh, to the late season three episode, um, Batman Begins Forever, um, yeah. where you genuinely delve into bruce wayne's psyche and it again it's hilarious as the show always is it's always making you laugh um but also in so many ways so often this show completely understands the, the dc universe more than so many other portrayals of these characters um and i find that fascinating i think it's also fascinating about just the show and its humor that like despite it being you know adult animated comedy which let's all be honest marcus said it earlier has a tendency to be very edgy um, because of shit like South Park and um, Family Guy. But where it directs his comedy for like 95% of the show is never like, it's never like, it's never like denigrating itself. It It's still like, okay, we're playing at least the base material straight. We will make the, we'll, we will make fun of the material quite a lot. We will break the fourth wall. (laughs) We will make every character bar Poison Ivy not the straight man. This show has one straight man, and it's Poison Ivy. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Um, I mean, one thing I also really have to admire about Diedrich Bader is that this is his second time playing Batman, and he's doing it in a goofier, more comedic series. And yet this take is completely different from how he did it in The Brave and the Bold. Mm. Oh, that's right. He did do Brave and the Bold. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and it's, in a lot of ways, it's also the same portrayal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. You, I mean, you, I mean, other than it, it being literally the same voice, like, yeah, there, Brave and the Bold was another really, like, self-aware show that totally understood its characters. Um, yeah, I, I'd never thought about that, actually. Um Next one I want to bring up, uh, we we briefly touched on it with Marcus's intro to the podcast. Um, Bane, as played by James, I believe it's Ad- Adomian? Yeah, Ad- Adomian, who... I uh, mean, first off, it's ripping on Tom Hardy, which is always funny. I will never yeah, not... F- like, I will I will never not find not find ripping on Tom Hardy Bane funny. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no. But it's like, that, something else about that, too, because it, it's kind of doing the... Batman and Robin or the Dark Knight Rises thing of making Bane the henchman, but mm-hmm. it's lampshading it. Like, yeah, it's very clear. The writers know what Bane in the comics is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they also <laughs> realize that Bane in the comics is super serious. It, it It's so fascinating because so dear. Listener, Actually, this is really funny because, yeah, at the time of recording, 
Uh, we're I'm prepping reading for, Nightfall for the first time. Yeah, which I think will have come out the week before this episode is out. Yes. It, it, but we haven't recorded that yet. It's all over the place. Anyway, but yeah, you just finished reading Nightfall today for the first yeah. time. And, uh, and one, I had, the, I had specifically a Domain's portrayal in the voice of my head. No, like, oh, come on. <laughs> done seriously? What? How is that even possible? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask. Um, okay. And, like, okay. So, like, Bane hasn't really had, like... Bane has had, what, one, I'd say, solid, at, good adaptation that makes the character work completely? Mm-hmm. And that's the animated series? Uh, well, Arkham Origins. I haven't played Arkham Origins. Origins is, like, the one perfectly adapted portrayal of Bane. Okay, like, I'll give you that, but, like, the, the public consciousness of Bane... Is either is Zombie from Batman and Robin, or Tom Hardy, whatever the hell he was doing. <laughs> uh... I, I think Hardy was trying to be psychological horror villain. Oh, I mean, like, I, it, it's the Heath Ledger thing with Hardy that, like, I'm like, that's a great villain. He's just not and, the character from the comics. And just like I said, too, it makes the same mistake. After Marion Cotillard is revealed to be Talia al Ghul, he is the henchman. Mm-hmm. And, and But here they, they run with the henchman fully. But again, they don't, like, kick Bane down as the henchman. They just mm-hmm. play with the comedy, like they yeah. kick him down scene. for other reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> they kick him down for other reasons. There's a scene in season one uh, at the Legion of Doom where he's ratting a child out <laughs> for using a credit card improperly. Yeah. When you put out a hit, you pay in cash. <laughs> um, it's so good. And it's such a good scene. Like it's like no, <laughs> this is a character who gets shit on. But deserves justice for himself. Yeah. Um, like, I, um, I said this at one point. Before the series ends, he has to join the crew. Oh, He yeah. does. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I that's what I first thought when we got rid of Dr. Psycho as, like, one of the main team members at the end of season two. I was like, let it be Bane. Please, please have Bane join the team. <laughs> because it's um, like, they mock Bane like everyone else, but unlike everyone else, they never disrespect him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think those are all the main cast members I wanted to talk about. Um, but just well, well, we did forget at least two. Who? We forgot Matt Oberg as Kite Man. Oh yeah, well, as Kite Man. Yeah. Well, I, I thought we touched on him enough earlier. Yeah, but I, I think Oberg's portrayal is great. Um, I, I also think we we have to mention um a, a late season a, a season three addition to sort of the recurring cast oh yes they're about Batgirl, right make that two late additions to the <laughs> nightwing <party>. then <laughs> nightwing yes okay all right <laughs> um yeah oh yeah i mean I think they're both great but yeah um i mean Batgirl especially as well um, um so I, I love both of their what's fascinating is i have seen brianna cuoco in one other thing oh uh, she is Mary Bennett in the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which is a modern-day internet adaptation of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Huh. And <laughs> it is the opposite portrayal, because they portray Mary Bennett as sort of, like, disaffected goth chick, whereas Barbara Gordon Batgirl here is peppy and hyper and great. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love her. I love both of their portrayals. And then also Nightwing as like the really exaggerated wannabe Batman. Like, I just I think that's great. Um, oh, which I, I hope. Thanks. You can already see growth in that one season, even though he's like not in season three a lot. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, but there's growth there, definitely. The growth is there. Yeah. And when we get into like full crazy spoilers, I I have my theory for what I want to see, and I really hope they do in season four. Indeed. Like, uh, and I think I already know what you're talking about. Oh, you yeah, know what we're... I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll discuss that later. Um, but like I mentioned also also earlier, just a quick rundown of some of the crazy guest stars they get on this. Uh, Wanda Sykes is Queen of Fables. I, I love oh. her. Portrayal. I love loved that. Um, we got fucking Michael Ironside back as Darkseid from Superman the Animated Series, um, which I don't think he's done in quite a few years. Um, he's fantastic. Alfred Molina as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> uh, Wayne Knight as the Penguin. James Gunn as James Gunn. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, when I was thinking of a way to introduce myself, that was going to be the other joke I was considering. It's like, so when's James Gunn announcing the Thomas Wayne movie? <laughs> I would love to see that. I would absolutely watch that. Only um, if he actually gets Billy Bob Thornton in. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, also right. Billy, Billy Bob <laughs> Thornton as himself and Clayface for a bit. Because yeah. um, I'm just scrolling through uh, guest cast and, members. I and, forgot George Lopez is George Lopez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and just like with that, too, with the James Gunn plot line, they even, they even mock Justice League. They do. <laughs> it was like, I called James Gunn. We'll be able to CGI the mustache in post. Yeah. Um, who else? Howie Mandel is Howie Mandel. Uh, Matt Ryan back as Constantine. Will um, Sasso is Maxi Zeus. Yes. Yes. Oh, Sam Richardson. Like, so for, for his limited screen time, like one of my favorite per- portrayals because I love him more on the sarcastic side. Um, Tom Hollander is Alfred. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. Um, a suit of lies, and because uh, because you mentioned um, uh, the amount of like pot shots they uh, they take at um, j- just just things in the show, um, the HBO Max jokes they make, um, oh. I, I think specifically of the of the of the of the Valentine's Day special, um, uh, uh, I forget what the line was about the the uh, the their wide variety of scripted and unscripted content. <laughs> I love that. Um, just so many great things in this show that, that that I love about it, and I could probably talk about forever. Um, but I guess uh, unless well, we had anything else to bring up, I'd like uh, to go. Sam into, like, Richardson is Swamp Thing. What's up? You missed. You missed Sam Richardson is Swamp Thing. Ah, fuck! I knew I was forgetting someone I wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, you missed Frankie Frankie Muniz as himself. That is true. Frankie Muniz does play himself. <laughs> uh, Raya per- Raya Perlman for one episode. Yep. Um. Uh, I'm, uh, Jacob Tremblay is Damian Wayne. Which is actually also, because you mentioned Frankie Muniz, that's not the only time that Frankie Muniz has played himself in a comic book project. What's the other time? Preacher. <laughs> You're going to make me watch Preacher eventually. You have like, to all watch the way Preacher through. someday. It's so good. <laughs> Probably once we actually read it, I'll actually be able to sit down and watch the entire okay. thing. All right. And I, I'm definitely going to make you read it someday. So... <laughs> Um, um, yeah, uh, he's great. Uh, but yeah, so many great things about this, this show, um, that, like I said, I could talk about forever, but I guess let's get into, um, so, uh, each season, season by season, um, we're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes, our favorite of each season. And, uh, I think that should mostly cover it. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, season one, I guess let's open up by, uh, saying each of our favorite episodes for this one. 
Uh, okay, who who wants to start? Um, I could start. I think uh, I think my personal favorite, and part of me wants to say you're a damn good cop, Jim Gordon, but I think my actual favorite is uh, being Harley Quinn. See, 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 Joey, mine's a tie. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't pick between being Harley Quinn and you're a damn good cop, oh, Jim sorry. Gordon. <laughs> Probably for the same reasons as we both, I know you and I both love intense character studies. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, being Harley Quinn is exactly that and damn good cop is probably the most i laughed the entire season you, you feel bad and, and, and you're a damn good cop for jim gordon you feel bad for the severed hand of Clayface, voiced by tom kenny who has his own mind and personality <laughs> and doesn't so want good. to re-emerge with the rest of himself oh, he's but he so has good. to mm-hmm. um yeah oh i love that uh marcus your favorite of the season Oh, I'm the outlier here because my favorite is Finding Mr. Right. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I do love that one. Um, like, I, I really like most do. of the time with this show, I go for entertainment value over character work or anything. Mm. And just like Finding Mr. Right is the one I laugh the most at. And we never brought up. Um, oh, wait, did you bring up Jacob Tremblay as Robin? I, I did it briefly, but like, yeah. that's also the Jacob Tremblay as Robin episode. And yeah, I <laughs> love he's so good in that. I just love the portrayal of Damien. As just an actual child, just like a a, a child child. You know? and, and, and it's like the first, it's also the first moment where I kind of realized that Ivy was the straight man in this series. Because it's like, or we could kidnap her and make her print a retraction. No, you cannot fuck with Lois Lane. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, and it is also the first one with uh, uh, James Wolk as Superman. Um, who I just, I don't know, I love. He's, he's, he's so funny. And they, um, they kind of play Superman straight throughout, like, the entire show, basically. Like, they do, but I love, like, even in just that scene they have in Finding Mr. Right, where they're just, like, like, like Superman and Lois are just kind of, like, flirting with each other as they're stopping this attack from Harley and, and, and the gang. Like, just really fun stuff. Um, um, I, do, I do also really like A High Bar. Um, I think that's a great episode, the Bar Mitzvah I mean, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a really great one, because I love the whole plot line with... Um, well, with Kite Man and Ivy and that, and also with all the the kids being uh, being taken over by Ivy's plants, <clears throat> which again, gross out humor, but it works. Also, the, the bar like it's it's a bar mitzvah at the Gotham Mint, spe- implied specifically for villains who want to teach their like their children how to also be villains. Yeah, heisting <laughs> money, um, and. So Harley is a character, like, like the entire show is basically, let's try to emancipate Harley Quinn from the toxic relation that is the Joker, um, um, that everyone can see, like, even in, in just the pilot, the way, like, the way the pilot set up is great. Um, yeah, I really do like the pilot episode. Um, I love, like, all the scenes in Arkham between, like, Harley and Ivy there, um, and I loved again, just like just Harley slowly realizing that she has to break free from the Joker and how that whole whole thing is portrayed. I just I think it's really smart. It's also great how they like that's how they establish like Harley's design, which is a great design. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand the constant hate that thing gets. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 riffing on the DCEU design. Um, well, in the in the hair hair color, but that's about it. See, other see, other honestly, than that, it's I, the man- I thought it was closer to the arkham city design myself see this is it's actually a mostly a riff on the amanda connor harley quinn look from the new 52 which i already okay. mentioned that this show is a uh, sort of riffing on um, i mean people also just 
hate a lot of the things the new 52 did. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the Amanda Connor Harley Quinn run is one of the things it got right. So, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, um, I do also adore the last two episodes of this season as just genuinely great character drama. I mean, they managed to land finales. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the, uh, between the Ivy fakeout death and just Alan Tudyk being a genuinely terrifying Joker in those moments. Um, and even just a really funny moments with this. This has the iconic "Where's my goddamn electric car, Bruce?" You know, um, it's it's really great stuff. Um, just just a really great season overall, I think, and a um, fantastic start to the show. I think some. I think I think some other highlights. Um, back one. So again, it does a really good job of just establishing sort of the offness of the world, where you have Tawny Young as a Wendy Williams riff, but also just the idea that like superheroes go on tele like daytime television yeah yeah <laughs> uh, like I, I just i remember a lot of the bylines from every one of her shows like my favorite is like joker quote harley stole my man <laughs> <laughs> it's so good <clears throat> um, um yeah just have, a lot i'm oh, sorry go ahead like you have you have damian wayne robin who is portrayed as the little shit that he is whenever like the cameras aren't on him like when the cameras are on him, like, he's just like, oh, I'm adorable. Look at me. I'm a sweet child. Cameras are off him. He's a dick. But when he's <laughs> yeah. then alone with his dad, he's an actual vulnerable child. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> they do Bat Dad, but, like, they also develop Bat Dad and really dig into what makes Bruce Wayne tick. And... Mm. In a way, I think they do a really interesting commentary of what, like, Batman in film has been kind of getting, in a way, wrong. Like, mm. in not developing, and that's the Bat family. Because, like, Batman in film very much keeps Batman at a stage of, he's still, he's trying to move, he's, like, he cannot move past the death of his parents. And not, and not like, in a way of, like, he gets over it, but in a way of, he moves on and finds his own family. Um and that's sort of where, like, each season Batman's arc kind of builds to that, and it culminates in season three, all in B plots, mind you. Like, like this is not a Batman show. Mm -hmm. Well, except for a, the one season two episode. <laughs> except for that one episode, but like, it's 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 mainly let's let's do the entire Batman side of the DC universe and do some other shit from the DC universe. Also. Tony Hill's Dr. Psycho's plot in this first season. His introduction is just perfectly oh, the, awful. The whole cunt thing? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. That That is the thing that gets him on everybody's bad side. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it, it's so funny because he has every opportunity to, like, redeem himself as a villain in the eyes of the public. Mm -hmm. While also, still being a villain. That is the only word that the show ever censors. <laughs> like, even when they're not on TV, like, they censor them saying cunt. Well, I think that's because it's also, like, here in the in America, it is, like... Yeah, it's a big deal for some reason. It's a big reason. deal, whereas it, it isn't in other words. And, like, I, I get it. Because, like... There are you know, far it's... worse words out there, though. Come on. Yes. <laughs> in my opinion, at least. I don't know. Um, um, also, like, okay, so... We, we actually have to talk about what being Harley Quinn and you're a damn good cop, Jim Gordon. Well, at least what being Harley Quinn does so well. 
Mm. And that's the fact that, like, so Dr. Psycho has psycho powers, psychic powers. And, like, we have to go into Harley's, uh, Harley's mind to sort of understand who she is because she can't find, like, what her brand is outside of the Joker. Mm-hmm. And we do this constant questioning of, we, we do the mad love scene. We, we do mad love, which is adapted a lot for good reason. And we ask the question, was it her choice to jump in the ad acid or was she pushed? Mm-hmm. And just the fascinating of what Harley's mind is, which it breaks down Harley's mind and makes everyone like in the crew be attacked by like... Yeah. Oh, the, oh the, the, the teenage Harley Quinns. <laughs> the, the teenage Harley, Harley Quinns. And that's how we get Frankie Muniz. <laughs> yeah, because she was like, she had like a, the poster up and he had a restraining order against her. <laughs> Again, all done so comedically, but with just great comedy. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and with so much heart at the same time, too, which is really what, what makes it work. And um, the B-plot reveals quite a bit about Cyborgman. Yes. It's, it's where we have uh, Rhea Perlman as Gold, Golda. And, <laughs> and they're so good. <clears throat> we, we find out that, you know, Cy is friends with one Henry. How the, how the fuck is this man still alive and probably reaching his, his uh, centenary while, while Betty White was taken from us? Kissinger. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like, still not, I don't like criminals, but are we really war criminals? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, uh, just, and, and overall, the episode is just a, a genuinely great analysis of Harley as a character and who she is and how I think she should always be portrayed. Um, at least, yeah, like it, I, I think, B, I, I know you didn't like it, Jacob, but I think this episode actually pairs really well with Bensonhurst. Mm, true, I, I love, I, I love what Bensonhurst does. I like what Bensonhurst does. I have some just some issues with with it in general. Um, mainly with how awful her family is. I mean, that, of... that's that's the point. <laughs> yeah, which is that her kind of interesting is thinking about now because I'm listening to Spotify's new Batman podcast, um, Harley and Joker's Sound Mind, and it's doing something very different. Mm, interesting. I, I I do need to get around to it, but that, then I never finished Unburied either. So you should finish Unburied. Unburied is great. Are they doing um, another season of that, or is or is or no? Is it a I think thing? Harley and Joker Sound Mind is the quote unquote sequel because is, it is has it set a in the same universe. Uh, well, no, it's, no, it's it's a new series. Um, and it like I said, it's got a different Bruce Wayne and Unburied. Yeah. It was Winston Duke in Harley and Joker. It's Justin Hartley. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's oh, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got more Batman Unburied at some point based on sort of how that ended and the yeah. ideas they were playing with, which which are interesting. Um, I think I got five episodes in. It's, it's very good. I, I like what it does. I, um, and some of the ideas that it plays with. Mm. Um, but yes. Um, anyway, shall we move on to season two? Um, oh, I should say, the show also has a tendency to kill off villains and they stay dead, which yes. I I really like. And I, I, li- I love... That like and like cl- big ones too. Yeah, like yeah. Scarecrow's dead at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Queen of Fables is a character, and Wanda Sykes is perfect. 
One six is always perfect. <laughs> as Which was book, so funny actually because she's I think she's doing even more animation now. She's uh, she's in the Bad Batch uh, now. This the Star Wars show. Um, she's in season two, which so I, I think is just nice, funny. It's nice to see people like actual big actors make the leap to animation and work. Like, yeah, and, and it yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, but yeah, so let's move into season two. Um, favorite episode. Uh, I think I I have a very easy answer to this that I think at least one of you may agree with. Uh, Riddler, you. You know what? I have to agree. <laughs> Marcus? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. It was like... Because, like, season two, I, I'm kind of blanking on. Like, I remember specific scenes and stuff, but I'm trying to remember the season on a whole. But, mm. yeah, I could either agree with Riddler, you, or Batman's Batman. That is... That, that would probably be my, be my second favorite. But Riddler, you is just... I, it's it's so damn good cop jim gordon is the thing i most laughed at but probably it wasn't my favorite of season one riddler you is easily the thing I, I i laughed at the most in season two it is so hilarious um my favorite clayface plotline this show can we talk about the clayface plotline <laughs> so, okay. so the setup the setup is no man's land <laughs> like and riddler is running gotham university because you know intelligence-based villain and to infiltrate, Harley and Ivy are like, yeah, we, we can totally pass as college students. Mind you, like, they're at least in their 30s in this universe. Like, so we're already kind of taking meta jokes at the cat classic. Let's cast, like, actors in their 30s as teenagers. And the joke with Clayface is that he's a bad actor. So he, he, he pretends to be a college girl called Stephanie and goes method. <laughs> And he and becomes like the most popular girl on the campus, and like everybody loves her. And and like she's still, Clavius is still like terrible at playing the part too. <laughs> like because like, Alan so Tudyk isn't changing his voice, isn't really no. changing his voice. No, he's just <laughs> adding more emphasis yeah. on random syllables. <laughs> also, just so Jim Rash is perfect as the oh, Riddler. Jim Rash is so good as Riddler. I love him. Um, um, yeah, really great stuff. <laughs> And, like, a plot point is Clayface, so at college parties, this is going to sound ridiculous because it is, the Riddler gives VIP treatment to some people where it's not actual VIP treatment. He uses their intelligence and then hooks them up to giant hamster wheels to power the university. Which is literally just Jim Carrey's Riddler. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Also, the Riddler has the, like, early New 52 design. He does. Which I find <laughs> hilarious. Yes. Um, and they make a joke about it later on that he that he has just, like, premature hair loss. Um, um, it's just funny. Um, but you have you have Clayface as Stephanie. Clayface, a shape-shifting clay monster. <laughs> as Stephanie, hooked up to one of these hamster wheels. Um, and, like, he doesn't think to, you know shapeshift out of it and it's just it's 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 hilarious this is also where we get barbara gordon as yes. a character for the first time mm-hmm. and you can tell she's her father's daughter but she's immediately more intelligent than her father mm-hmm. um and Quoka just plays it really well and decides yeah. right this is going to be my batgirl origin story um mm-hmm. you know adding a member of the bat family by the end of the season uh yeah I just, um, I yeah. love, and and we end with the Riddler in the same fate 
powering Harley's lair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really great episode. Easily, yeah, that'll have no season. negative repercussions in the future or anything. No, never. Um, so Marcus mentioned it, and it's probably my second favorite of the season. Uh, Batman's Batman, if for nothing else, just the beautiful meta commentary on on fan culture. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's it's it. That, that's all you need to say, really. It, it's it's a fantastic episode. Um, um, to the I point where there say... there literally are two just like pathetic neckbeard nerds complaining about Harley Quinn as a show, oh. <laughs> and then and, and then watching it anyway. Which in season two they do that quite a bit, um, and they they also you know break the fourth wall in that way, and it's really really well done. Um, we also. I think we need to talk about episodes three and four. Um, yeah, I was going to bring up Thawing Hearts next, actually, because uh, it's genuinely a great Mr. Freeze story. <laughs> and we 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 do something that Mr. Freeze, like, performed, like, visual adaptations outside of, I believe you say one of the Arkham games technically lets Nora be a character at one point. Uh, yeah, Arkham Knight. Yep. But, like, we let Nora be a character. Um, and... It's it's very sad. Also, just you you feel like Harley's. So part of the whole thing is this is a redemption of Harley Quinn, and her shifting away from being a villain to being more of an antihero. Um, I wouldn't say she's a full hero by the end, but she's an antihero in a mm. lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and she like is genuinely torn up by the fact that she kind of is responsible for Freeze's death, and. Mm fucking up Freeze's wife. And then you have Nora, who's just a genuinely compelling character. And, like, what's nice is, by season three, and well, by the end of this season and season three, we actually allow Nora Freeze to have a character arc where she has to deal with the fact that her husband dies. Yeah, and she and she just, yeah. like, acts out because of it. And, uh... Yeah, like, also that scene with Victor and Nora is also kind of important because... We get kind of glimpses because a lot of the episode, uh, there are several episodes that focus on Harley's relationships with Ivy and her own insecurities because of how badly the Joker fucked her up. Like the Valentine's Day special just did this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's fascinating is that, like, it's like it's clear in season one that Harley and Ivy is the end goal, but. They don't ever like by they don't really come right out and say it mm-hmm. until the cliffhanger sort of. Um, uh, there's no place to go but down. In yeah, that one. yeah. Um, where they actually end up kissing by the end, where, the, where they kiss, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're actually going to make this. Like, it's really good storytelling because it's not like coding or implied. It's explicit in the text if you're actually paying attention. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like, they were always planning on that from season one. Unfortunately, at the same time, they're making you really care for Kite Man and Ivy as, as a couple, and it, yes. it, it really hurts to see them break up, actually. It um, really is, but I, it hurts, but it ends so well. Um, uh, I do also love the episode Bachelorette in this, um, where, you know, it, it's Harley, Ivy, Nora, and all of them, like, going out to Themyscira for, for Ivy's bachelorette party. And uh, it, it's it's the episode where, Har- where Harley and Ivy finally fuck. And it's very fun. Um, 
Yeah, just really great stuff. Love that one. And we parallel, we parallel this, this, this. It, it's an episode all about marriages, basically, because um, King Shark has to get married. That's so, right. I forgot yes. about that. Yeah. <laughs> to, and it's an arranged marriage, but also an open marriage. And I do like that this show is very open about like relationships are messy, and relationships don't have to be sort of that single closed monogamous Christian marriage. It's mm-hmm. it's a very nice thing to just sort of see the representation happen as well as as a show. It doesn't limit itself to being like ashamed about talking about sex as a concept and like mm-hmm. a thing and relationships because relationships are messy and often are bottled up. And this is a show that doesn't do that it explores a lot of what that can be and is often like as the show goes on it it like it's clear that the writers are also you know aware the fact that like how to write representation just in general um Mm -hmm. uh and it's it's just it's really important for a show like this something that say a marvel show would never do yeah yeah Um, i agree um, we also have the episode in this season, uh, Die Hard, which uh, which first delves into what happened to Joker post season one. That he, his 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 transformation into the Joker was literally undone, and he's just kind of a normal dude now. And, and, and just I don't know, I love that. I really love. I mean, first off, Alan Tuke's performance just as normal guy Joker. Um, but I love Harley's interac- interactions with him. I find those really fascinating. And Harley is like. No, I can't make him be the Joker again. Like, first, she's fucking terrified early in the season when she just sees him as a bartender. Yeah. <laughs> and I was genuinely questioning, like, okay, are they going to bait and switch us, or is this actually the Joker? Because, like, you have the end of season one where it's like, Joker's dead, surprise, he's not actually dead, but he, he looks normal. But is this going to be a normal guy, or is Harley just going to be a little completely insecure about her ex? Because... Mm-hmm. Both ways are very possible, but it is the Joker, and he has genuinely changed. <laughs> the, keeping in the theme of DC Comics being all about family, yeah, and, they give and him a family to, to the point where even after he changes back into the Joker, like that doesn't really change his relationship. Like he's he's still there, yeah, <laughs> he's still he, doing what he would normally do. He's just now in a committed relationship with a single mom of two kids. Yeah. And he's, he's, still, really and he's still the Joker. Like, <laughs> and they don't sacrifice Joker's character in order to change it. There's, It's still the same guy there. He is just I mean, genuinely evolved as, as a person. It helps that they don't go as dark as a lot of super modern Joker stuff goes. Um, I mean, they imply Jason Todd exists in this universe in season three um, several times. Indeed. Um, but, like, they don't, like, I don't think... Death of the family obviously hasn't happened in this universe. Endgame hasn't happened in this universe. Um, Though there are other New 52 implications that come in next season. (laughs) Oh, there are. We will talk about them. (laughs) Oh my god, what they do is, again, (laughs) fascinating. Yeah. Um, Um, We also haven't talked about Catwoman. uh, Oh, Catwoman. (laughs) Marcus, I know you have opinions. Did I? I don't remember. Did he have a pain? I mean, I know just the character and the way she's portrayed um, is, again, fascinating because 
it's not I I have a feeling they took cues from Eartha Kit like in a lot of ways mm, I would t- take it more as like uh, you know what maybe you're right I, I was gonna say I, maybe, I don't know maybe... I I got I got a little not a lot mind you I got a little bit of Michelle Pfeiffer in that she's actually a cat see that's true but also Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is legitimately in love with Batman yeah. um, so like I, I like I, I feel like they're they're gonna be growing a lot between Bruce and Selena because yeah I can um, you can tell the writers are bat cat shippers mm-hmm. but it feels um, like they saw what Batman 66 season three did and was like well, now we have Eartha Kit because of you know. See, I, I would I would say also, uh, Julie Newmar also did the same sort of portrayal in her relationship with Bruce. Yeah, but Newmar was could be a bit more outwardly flirty, whereas they with Kit they because of racism they had to really dial that back. Like, yeah, a lot where it's like, well, we want to go full percent. Also, yeah. <laughs> she's you know portrayed as an asshole for a lot of season two and most of season three, but also really independent and likable. Like, Mm -hmm. like you get it because, um, this is the season where we, we really start to see Bruce Wayne more as a character. And Bruce is kind again, really caught up with his parents' death. It culminates in season three. Oh boy. Does it culminate in season three? But like, Mm -hmm. He doesn't really have the Justice League when he's back in the back half of season two um, until, you know, the end where Harley releases them from the book. Um, and we we beat Darkseid at the end of season two without, mm-hmm. like, killing Darkseid. And Michael Ironside. I mean, he still got it. He, he still plays the role perfectly. He's so he, good. And he, he doesn't sacrifice his performance for the comedy of this show no no because because he, he knows how to play the character he per, he does it perfectly um yeah really really he, he's always great and uh, i just love the whole wedding sequence at the end of the runaway bridesmaid um yeah um, really great stuff and also just the, the culmination of kite man's arc in that episode is fantastic also, you want to know you want to know i think what hurts like the so so dr psycho betrays the crew and becomes a villain right mm-hmm. uh, well an, an antagonist because he's always been a villain what hurts is the fact that he he's the one who shows kite man that harley and ivy are a thing mm-hmm. and i was like immediately worried like oh no i'm afraid they're gonna do this trope well yeah don't make kite man a bad guy because of it you know um but like, and, and, they, they don't sacrifice kite man's character for it um and and Kite Man, like, he doesn't show up often in season three, but when he does, it's really well done and really smart, and they remain respectful of each other as people. Um, and, and Ivy's allowed to realize, oh, wait, I've been in love with Harley this entire time. Um, and it's it's just a really solid ending to a season, like... Even if there are maybe some things that you guys may find rocky, I think just the back half of the season more than makes up for it. Uh, See, oddly enough, I find the first half of season two a bit stronger in general. Interesting. Mm. 
Um, but anyway, I guess let's move on to season three. Um, we're nearing the end of it. Uh, favorite episode of this season? I think we all, I think, do all of our favorite episodes come from season three? Because <laughs> mine is, it's a, it's a swamp thing. I know Marcus is the killing vote. Jacob? I forget what Mine, again, it's, it's hard for season three because it might be, you know what, it might, okay, if, are we counting the Valentine's Day special as part of season three or separate? Uh, yes, but say you weren't allowed to, what would you choose? I would probably choose a tie between Batman Begins Forever and Climax at Jazza Pajiza. Okay, that's interesting. I think... See, season three is just full of nothing but fucking bangers. Like, I like saying it's a Swamp Thing is my favorite episode, it feels like I'm disregarding, like, a Thief of Mole and Orgy or the 83rd Annual Villy Awards, you know? This like, is a season where I think we really should talk about each episode individually, just because... At least I mean, bit. I mean, briefly. Yeah, because of what they do. Because, um, okay, I think it's really smart is that, that that the core of this season is the Harley and Ivy's relationship as a relationship. Yeah, and um, Harley Ivy opens that. Yes. Um, but also at the same time, while not sacrificing that, I like that this season does have a stronger focus on some of the other characters than the previous seasons did as well. Yeah. I wonder if that's because of the reduced runtime too? Like... Cause like, Maybe. I mean, the reduced runtime is because they moved over to HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, but, like, reducing it maybe made the writers realize, oh, we only have... I mean, okay, technically, because I'm guessing the Valentine's Day special was probably part of this season order, they really only lost one episode. Two but, episodes. Well, one, because Valentine's Day special is a double Oh, it was double yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah. they were like, okay, these... We know that basically two episodes are going to be combined into one for a special after the season. So that brings us only down to 10. So we have to get our story told really tightly and it is damn like tightly plotted. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like, cause Harl Ivy, great opener. We established that Ivy's, Ivy has a plan this season where she wants to basically resurrect, um, Resurrect some plants, uh, some extinct plants in, in Gotham that were destroyed basically by humanity. And she kind of wants to destroy the world, but like, okay. She wants to do the Batman and Robin thing where she wants to remake the world. <laughs> yeah, but even then, some of that feels a little hollow, even from the start. Because um, we already established that, that she has exceptions which I love that one of the exceptions to the plan is her fa- her and Harley's favorite Italian restaurant. Uh, uh, Mama Macaroni. Mama Macaroni. <laughs> like, oh my god, just from the Valentine's Day specials, I swear, binging with Babish, it's a YouTube channel that does oh, yeah, no, portrayed in faction. Yeah. Fiction, he better make those fucking meatballs. Right? Ooh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my god. Um, that'd be great. Um... Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I love what Harl Ivy does just in general. It's 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 um it's a great episode to open the season. Um, uh, I, I do also have a, just because I want to kind of share this joke. So you know, Har Harl Ivy opens with Harley and Ivy stealing the invisible plane and going on a crime sp- spree across the world. You know, where at one point um they kidnap the Queen of England and later throw her out of the invisible plane. <laughs> yes. I watched this episode for the first time like. Two days after it happened. Oh no! <laughs> you know what? You know what? I I want that to be canon to, to real life. 
That is how she died. That is how the queen died, thrown out of a plane. Um, also, we set up Clayface's main plot line of wanting to be in James Gunn's new biopic about the death of Thomas Wayne. Yes. It's so good. And it's so good. Okay, I love... I, I, one, James Gunn, you know, great director, great writer. Didn't realize he could act fairly well. Yeah. Um, yeah probably because, you know, I imagine just the, the directors of this series are really good at, at voice direction. Um, and they also know that James Gunn is not an actor, so they know when to limit his screen time. And that's not, that's not a complaint. It's just a, you realize you're writing in a celebrity cameo of a director who does not act. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it's also because he's just playing himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He just. So it's like they're not really requiring him to act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, Harley kidnaps Amanda Waller, and <laughs> and Plastique is in it. <laughs> Pla- is why does Plastique keep showing up in things? Joey? Plastique is so important, Jacob. You don't realize it. Yes, she was only in the first issue ever, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But like, she keeps showing up. She was. She she showed up in Trinity War. Yeah, she's everywhere. <laughs> I should be I should be looking for Plastique now, really, shouldn't I? Yep. Like, as a character. Plastique's um, gotta be everywhere. Um, anyway, uh, I do like there's no IV in team. Uh, we, uh, I, I love the whole escape room thing with, with, with them and the Bat family. <laughs> introduce the Bat family. I love the pairings. Um, I love the way King Shark, like, tries to console Damien, who's, like, afraid he's gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh God, I'm gonna die with like the eighth Robin. I'm the first Robin. <laughs> and and I, I I love one Harvey Guillen as as Dick Grayson. It's perfect casting. Like the man can do it. Um, but also he he makes his voice just so deep because he wants to be a a proper amount of serious. Um, and like you you get who Nightwing is as a character and where like Dick Grayson is on his journey. And we set up Dick as having to learn to sort of be a team player because they make Dick fail. And and it's just, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Also like they make him a massive nerd and okay. So the Riddler gets kind of an arc between seasons two and three. Um, like, once he escapes, you know, he's gotten shredded because he's, you know, been running on a hamster wheel for all of season two mm-hmm. and and not given breaks. And here he, he, he runs an escape room basically via pre-recorded messages. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it heavily implies that, like, other people have done this escape room. As they should. I would do the Riddler escape room. <laughs> I would, too. And, like, not <laughs> fucked it up. Like, yeah. I love the idea that this has just been going on. It's like not even really like a fully evil scheme. No, just, he's just he, he has a genuine business. <laughs> yeah, it may kill you if you fail. Very possibly, but hey, I mean, whatever. He has he has their money. <laughs> um, it's it's just it's such a fascinating episode. And then in yeah. the next episode, he comes back. The eighty third annual Villy Awards. I I and, adore this one. Oh my god. Uh, okay, I'm surprised we haven't gotten sort of like right wing hit pieces on this episode in particular for, for for taking away the straight icon of the Riddler. 
Riddler is... Oh, please. Was the Riddler ever straight, Jacob? I don't even think they could argue with that. <laughs> I'm sure they could. They wouldn't do it well. Also, they um, pair him with Clock King, which is... They, like, it's an oddly cute relationship. <laughs> also, they make the obvious joke of Cock King, because... As they guess, should. As they should. Um, I think I told and, you this story before, but when I was... Uh, when Doomsday Clock was coming out, I, I, don't, I don't know why it's just a common thing to do with comic things involving clocks. But um, my uh, the, the guy that I ordered it from at my comic shop called it the Doomsday Cock. And I don't know. It's just a thing that you do, I guess. <laughs> what happens is your eye is reading over the line of text. And sometimes certain fonts aren't great with lowercase L's. So your brain deletes it. And just it's, look, look. It was a funny story. You had to fucking ruin it. Anyway, Alan Tudor gets to sing a song as the Joker in this one. Um, he does. Like Joker do. <laughs> like Joker do. And, and it's like... <laughs> and it, like, it, stays throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> and it be- almost becomes, like, at one point, a Bubsy Berkeley, like, giant classic, like, 30s film number. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, we go over the top. We have Clayface... <laughs> Accidentally killing Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> well, I need to be James Gunn. Yep. And uh, we also deal with the fallout from the the wedding last season uh, with Kite Man here um, and his new girlfriend. Scene. Like, so at the first half of the episode, I thought like, oh, they're gonna do Kite Man's girlfriend is a girlfriend from Canada. You wouldn't know her. She goes to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> And she's actually a character, and, like, the paralleling of the scenes with Kite Man and Harley and then Golden Glider and Ivy are, like, just perfect scenes. Like, mm-hmm. especially as, as they realize, as as Glider and Ivy realize, oh, wait, we're, like, we're talking, like, just the situation of Ivy talking to Kite Man's current love love interest and Glider talking to Kite Man's ex. Mm-hmm. And, like, one, they don't hate each other. Like, I'm so glad they avoid that trope of, like, catty exes, right? Like, yeah. they avoid it. It's so nice. It's kind of a shame we don't get more Kite Man this season. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's not a huge deal, I guess. But he's getting a spinoff series. Yes, I, I'm not sure if that's still in production. <laughs> I hope it is. I, I hope he's still getting a spinoff series. I mean, I mean with... D- don't don't hold your breath. We're we're talking about David Zaslav here. But like Gunn was in this show. So maybe it'll still happen. Um eh, we'll see, I guess. Um and, anyway. and Harley Quinn may not be canceled after season four. With any luck. Please. Um but uh, uh a Thief and Mullen Orgy is another one of my Which absolute just, favorites this season. Just, I mean, let's just say, of course. Of, for parody, for comedy, of course, this is the direction they went with the Court of Owls. I, I mean, obviously, me and Jacob are massive Court of Owls fans, <laughs> but I also love it. Also, yeah, like okay, it's, uh, Frank oh, becomes the damsel in distress for this season. Yes, <laughs> and I don't know why that's perfect because JB Smooth plays it just perfectly. Yeah. Um. Also, <laughs> this idea. Of Catwoman taking Bruce <laughs> to an orgy. <laughs> oh, and Jim Gordon's running for mayor. Against... And Two Face is his campaign manager. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just, I don't know, the fucking build-up to the Court of Owls just being a secret sex cult. I just, oh my god, I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much that after I watched it, I added J- uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and I was like, like, just like, please let me know that you enjoyed this. And Scott Snyder at least liked the tweet, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, but I just, oh my god, I, I just, I adore it. It's so great. Um, um, also, Bane is here. As and, he should be. Like, the idea is, of course, everyone's in masks. The password to get into the party is hoot hoot. <laughs> <laughs> or no. Did, I'm sure you did, but like, did you guys see Bruce Wayne's shadow in the in the club? In the what? Um in um in the club, I guess. Like his oh, shadow oh, oh, that, that wearing the Core of Owls mask. The silhouette. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um but like everyone in there is supposed to be incognito, but Bane is there. And like Bane is just like because it's Bane, he can't really be incognito because of, you know, the mask and stuff. Like, the mask, and then the mask over the mask, and the venom, and trying to get out of it. And the way they take Bane by the end of this is, is, is and, and the Valentine's Day special, is perfectly fascinating and hilarious. Um, also, um, the idea that Bruce Wayne has Frank... At this yes. point, only because he's convinced Ivy's up to something, and he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how that develops. Now, yes, yeah. onto your favorite episode. Uh, it's a Joey. swamp thing. Oh, it's a swamp thing. And again, it's it's something I just love, probably purely because it has like all of my favorite obscure DC characters in it. Um, I mean, I guess Constantine is not so obscure nowadays. Um, but uh, but I, I've loved Constantine for such a long time, and having Matt Ryan back in the role is is fantastic. Um, has fucking music meister, and they get a song with 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 him, Bruce and Selena, and it's just like, I love it. It's it's so much fun. Um, love that, and I love the portrayal of something with a man bun and Nora and Nora throughout this one. <laughs> like, oh my god, absolutely insane! Just such an insane ride, and uh, one of the perfect examples, which is why I love this show so much. They give Swamp Thing a man bun. As they should. As they fucking Also, should. they do the green. They do. Which, I mean, the Swamp Thing Ivy, like, relate, that, that, those interactions are also really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. really fascinating. Because, like, they are kind of similar characters when you think about it. Like, in what purpose they serve. Oh, yeah. But also are diametrically opposed. Um, also, just, just the music meister. The fucking music meister. Unfortunately, not played by Neil Patrick Harris, but um, but still incredibly fun nonetheless. Still really well done. Yeah. Um, now, um, Joker, now. the killing vote. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> yeah. This like this is what I was saying. Like they give the Joker a redemption arc. It works. But they don't change his character. Like, he's not doing this for some profound personal reason. He's doing it to piss off a Karen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And he wins in the end, too, which is the best part about it. And, you know, they do the Jack Nicholson parade. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I love that, like, his henchmen kill people. And he's like, no, wait, no, don't. we aren't killing people this time. <laughs> it's so um, great. Oh, also, it. the Karen, the scene, the Karen is, a, is basically, like, on the PTA, uh, um, 
And so the Wayne Family Adventures comic has has implied Bruce Wayne is on Damien's PDA, like <laughs> which image I love, and has explicitly given Bruce Wayne a personal villain who tries to somehow who who always who he has to keep one upping um, as a dad, which is which is which is a delight. But this character was just like I've met people like this. Yeah. Like, I think we all have. <laughs> like, yeah, Mar- like... Mar- I know, Marcus, you'll probably quote the line, but in the car, just... Oh, yeah, like, it's like, Aras Kunpoyo, from Mikasa to Tsukasa. Oh, is that an ethnic dish? Yes, it is. <laughs> ethnic. Speaking of racist... <laughs> it's so fucking good. Oh, I adore like, it. I, I also kind of love that um, in, in this series, this seems kind of the perfect place to talk about it, they drop two faces um fractured personalities and instead have him just be duplicitous, you know, two-faced. Mm-hmm. And they actually bring that to light in this episode. It's like, are, are you kidding? My, my name is Two-Face. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, man, I love it. Uh... And we end on this, the discovery from Harley and Ivy that the Joker's the mayor now. Which, like doesn't play into like the rest of the season in terms of like their character interactions as much mm-hmm. as you'd think until like the very end of the season but it is a it is a fascinating end mm-hmm. like to end to an episode um, uh we go into probably my least favorite of the season uh, another I mean, short adventure like like they did i before we do i like they did with harley please bring bethany into the comics <laughs> right i love her so much um but yeah, we have another Shark the Adventure then, and it's it's okay. I don't know. I don't love this one. I I don't know. I like that we get some some actual King Shark focus this season because he's been like in the background. That's um, fair, and I, I I do like that. Um, and I do like the the Harley Batgirl interaction throughout this one. Um, but overall, I mean, it's not one of the yeah, it's not one of my favorites. I think it's also a really important step for the redemption of Harley Quinn because that's true. Barbara Gordon yeah. is the first person to actually see it happening, like, way back in season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's the one who essentially pushes it forward. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, this is just one thing. Like, it's not enough to bring down the episode for me, but it's like, I feel like, I, and I get where they're coming from, but I feel like they go a little too far with the Mad Hatter. Mm, how so? Um, just Just really dialing up the creep factor, generally. Like, like I said, they're not... They're not vaulting across the line, but they're kind of tiptoeing across it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I think for Mad Hatter, the creepier the better. You know, I think yeah. I, I, I always thought that's how the character should be portrayed. Personally, I mean, isn't there one comic where it's the creepiest yeah, he's, he's ever he, been? Yeah, he's yeah, literally yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'd like to read someday, just out of sheer morbid curiosity. There are also some uh, some implications in uh, one of the Arkham games about him too. Ah, yeah. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Was like the only thing I really remember about this episode is that fight between King Shark and his brother. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I do love that. Um, but anyway, uh, then we have uh, Batman Begins Forever, which actually I want to mention. I've been uh, going through IMDb for all these episodes, and um, 
this is the highest rated episode on IMDb of this show um, at a 9.1. So, I mean, I, I get it. It's 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 pretty fucking great. Yeah, it, it um, does. It's doing a lot like the last episodes of this, well, the last three episodes of sort of this season are doing a lot in. We need to deconstruct who Bruce Wayne is, especially in the context of this universe, as well as within sort of the meta, the constant meta narrative of why doesn't Bruce Wayne help Gotham, even though he kind of actually does. In, in the comics um but like he doesn't as much in mainly the film which is what people know because um, mm-hmm. people people on twitter have to remember not everybody reads comics which is a shame because batman comics and comics in general are great that's what this podcast is about but in the films your 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 that criticism is correct and i i, I love one this is where harley realizes huh I'm actually a really good therapist. Like, yeah, is- like, oh my God, the scenes with her and young Bruce are probably some of my favorite. Like, you know, from that first one, you know, the whole just look away kid. God, I love that scene. Oh, yeah. yeah like, really good. She, she goes, she goes, they, they all go into Bruce's mind for kind of selfish reasons. Dr. Psycho also has a podcast about <laughs> psychology. <laughs> and I think they're hinting at a Dr. Psycho redemption arc. I, I don't I know think if I they do that. it first, and then they reveal that. it's just an act. You're yeah, right. <laughs> but also, I really want to see Harley on Doctor Psycho's podcast. I, I I need to see that. I I I want to I want to see that play out just out of sheer curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and overall, I mean, yeah, as we mentioned, this is, this is uh, an analysis of, of Bruce Wayne's character. Um, both funny and the idea that oh, it's called Batman Beans Forever because he is just continually reliving the death of his parents in his head. But also, that is what actual Bruce Wayne constantly does all the and, time. And it's something that, like, it's just, it's a, like, it's a, it's a hilarious title, but it's also just a dark title because they, they don't, pl- like, after maybe the seven minute mark of the episode, they stop playing that scenario for comedy. Like, once Harley realizes how fucked up Bruce is, also her the way she figures out, oh wait, you're Batman. Mm-hmm. This and, and like just the entire house of cards tumbles and it's like, this makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Diedrich Bader gives this absolutely sinister performance by the end of the episode. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Where we uh because this is yeah, this is the one where we learn that his his plan is literally to use Frank to resurrect his parents, um, and, and Harley has yeah, to that's... abandon child Bruce in his own head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad they don't drop that from the rest of the season. Like they follow that up, and we like the way the season ends is perfect. Um, because we then actually have you know episode nine climax at Jazzapajiza, which is. The name is clearly taken from Chicago's Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. but it's a jazz festival. And yeah. One, <laughs> that, idea... one that Poison Ivy is very excited about. <laughs> you know what? I would be too. She's... <laughs> I, I gotta say that like, my, my favorite thing about this episode is just this, all the scenes where like Bruce is just trying to casually talk to his parents who are just fucking zombies. <laughs> and he's like, this is your grandson, Damien. <laughs> it's just like... And I just love that, like, throughout most of this season, but especially in this episode, Damien's just been on his Game Boy the entire time. Yeah. Um, I just, oh, I love it. And then, like, it, it starts this 
plant zombie apocalypse and uh it, it's this, it's incredibly fun interestingly, if this was season one or two this would be the finale but it's not yeah and yeah because the real finale uh lies in how our characters react and reel from all this because um, like okay ivy goes mad with power mm-hmm. and like it's very naturally done i love it i also just love sort of the, the like super powered ivy design in these last couple episodes yeah yeah it's um, great it's a it's a really cool design I, I really like it we get another swamp thing cameo which i'm sure made you happy joey always uh, um and we have harley having to reckon with like one the fact that like just 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 the fact that oh now she has to actually save the city she mm-hmm. and like she takes ivy down and it hurts her so much Saves everybody's lives. Batgirl, like, one, the Bat family has just has been like, like slowly coming around to this idea of having to reluctantly work with Harley and her crew because Bruce has gone insane. Mm-hmm. Um, in some in some great scenes, Batgirl realizes you're a hero, Harley Quinn, and that's where we end the episode, basically with. Yeah, I, I we end the episode on a pretty great joke that goes into the next episode. It's just Ivy oh. screaming "fuck," and it goes and it ends in the at the beginning of the finale. <laughs> She's like "fuck," and then it's just they even do a goes. previously recap too. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I, I I'm I'm so glad I didn't like. I feel bad for anyone who had to watch this weekly because I I had caught up. I think fully. I think by the time another Shark the Adventure was coming out. So I had to do like the last couple episodes week to week, and uh, that was hell. So... I mean, great hell because you know that's a sign of great television. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's so much fun. Like it, it, it was always watching these last couple episodes week to week. It was always just the most the most fun like twenty three minutes of my week. You know. Yeah. Um, such an incredibly fun um, show. Um, we go to the finale then, uh, the horse and the sparrow, which is um, again mostly just the fallout from uh, Jazza Pajiza. So okay. Uh, one, Lex Luthor hacks a bunch of TVs at a Costco, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, Lex is also. Kind of also, idiot. there's just that line too. It's like, I saw your work at Jazzapa. Yeah, I'm not saying that. That, <laughs> I, that was not Lex Luthor. That was John Carlo Esposito. I bet you. Part of me wants to be like, no, no, John Carlo, save a line. We, we want this line on on tape. <laughs> Can we get Gus Fring to say Jazza Pajizza? <laughs> um, also, Frank, the plant, believing in astrology this episode, with like, ooh, you say that and three people are going to compliment you today, and that becomes just a perfect, the perfect running gag for the rest of this episode, um, mm-hmm. of three strangers complimenting Ivy. Um, but Ivy's offered to lead the Legion of Doom, Harley is still dealing with, is, is psychologically dealing with the fact that she's codependent and, like, I have to agree with my partner on everything. And Lex is like, you need to kill the Joker, who is the mayor, because of attacks that will cut into a very, like, not even a sliver, sliver of Lex. Is this because Luthor's... of the evil lair tax? It's half a percent! <laughs> Again, not even a sliver of Lex Luthor's riches, which... <laughs> Feels way too real right now. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like this, this. That's been a great commentary this this season. It's like we the state we're in 
we would gladly accept leadership from the Joker. Right. And you know what? You know what? I hate to say it. I'd probably vote for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, this Joker. This Joker. <laughs> Not this Joker. Joker. Yes. Feel free to take that clip out of context, Internet. But... <laughs> I would vote the Joker as president. No. Um... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't vote Lex Luthor as president. That's which I know is a thing that has. If, if we're doing a lesser of two evils thing, you're right. <laughs> I, am I wrong? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, sorry, go ahead. We're building up basically the climax around the premiere of the Thomas Wayne movie, which has a great title that for the life of me, my brain can't remember right now. Uh, I forget what it is. Um, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, a Hard Wayne Falls in Gotham. <laughs> It's so good. Um but yeah, uh starring starring uh starring Clayface and uh, as Billy Bob Thornton. As Billy Bob Thornton and uh and everyone is at this premiere. E- even the Joker who uses this premiere as an opportunity to arrest Bruce Wayne for tax fraud. <laughs> Which is honestly and like I think what's fascinating is Bruce at the beginning of this episode wouldn't go quietly. No. But Bruce at the end of the episode does because of Harley's influence. And Harley mm-hmm. also reckons with the fact that, like, she can't be... She, she can't agree with Ivy's plan to kill the Joker. And I love that, like, there's just enough mutual respect because this is we're portraying an actual healthy relationship between two villains. Yeah. Like, yeah. to its fullest extent. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that nobody believes <laughs> that Clayface... Was Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we end the season on on the note of like Harley actually joining the Bat family. And I want to ask, what are both of your thoughts on Harley in general as a character being part of the Bat family? So I know this is this is this is like this isn't necessarily the most popular idea, but I really like it. Yeah, like I, I, I'm sure you both know I'm asking it because like it's a thing that's currently happening in comics that people are pretty pissed about. Now, um, oh, I don't know how well it's being done in comics, but in the way this show sets it up, is done really well. I think and, it's yeah. a good thing. I, I like it in comics. I like it here. Um, Harley, I, I has... can see it. I can see it being done badly. That's true. I don't. But think again, it has I don't have the comics. context of what the comics are doing to that's set true. it up. Well, yeah. So um, I, I will reserve my judgment on that until we cover those comics. But I would argue that, like, I, mean, I feel like, if anything, I feel like it just kind of happened too fast. Just because, like, I, I can kind of see what season four is going to be about. Harley's a hero. Ivy's running the Legion of Doom. So mm, I gotcha. Um, but uh, but like, I, I would say, like, in general, for the character, like, Harley's been around for over thirty years now. I'd say. As, since we got her away from the Joker, which has been a thing that's happened since 2011, I believe. Um, since we've done that, like Harley has been on her way 
to be becoming a, a, a full-on hero in the DC universe since then. And uh, I, th- I think we're, we're, we're ready to be there, um, personally. I know that's probably very controversial. I don't know who's going to hear this. Please don't come after me. I, I have a wife and kids. I do not. That's a lie. No, um, no, go after him. Go after him. It'll be hilarious. It will um, be hilarious. Actually, please do. I really, I, at least I know people are listening. Um, so <laughs> I, I, could, I could see it. I think it could also open up some really interesting storytellings with the idea of reformed villains in general. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. I, I mean, she's still, a, uh, she's still, you know, murdered people and mm. has, and she probably has to actually repent for that. But I think there, there are yeah. interesting things you can do. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to see it done. I, at least in terms of this show, have a plot line that I, I really want to see happen in season four. Like, mm. Possibly done to also parallel Ivy, uh, Ivy and Harley, and just do it really well with bringing in a certain character. Um, I'm bringing this up now. Oh yeah, bring it up now. Yeah, I want them to bring in Jason Todd. Like, yes. possibly also bring in Tim Drake. I think like you could do them both together because uh, the, the the death of Jason is why we have Tim in the first place, and their characters I think actually do work well together. Um, just as as characters, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just, I, I need it to happen. Like, let give us more Jason Todd. Cast Jensen Ackles. He he could probably do it. He could definitely do it. <laughs> like, and um, I, I I think you know expanding the Bat Family would be great, especially if season four ends up being the last season. I hope it's not. I think there are I more really stories to not. tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, yeah. You could this this show could go on for a very long time still. Yes. Um. um but anyway, uh, let's talk about uh, a very problematic Valentine's Day special quick, and uh, I guess we'll start to close which out. Is, which is not a description. It's the name of the episode. I mean, I mean it's, all, it's, it's also enough, a description. It's interesting <laughs> in the way, the problematic ways they did it, because they, like, they were actually very smart in knowing how to, which lines to tell. Um, mm. And, like, and not, like, it, it never felt like they were, like, punching down with no. the Valentine's Day special. They were just being really raunchy um and fascinating <laughs> also bane gets a dominatrix girlfriend look bane is the best thing about this whole special yes <laughs> like, yes like and etrigan oh oh my god etrigan the fa- <laughs> i forget who's the one that comments on like everything rhyming and it being just like really weird that everything did rhyme or like, i think it was harley was it harley yes yeah, like, yeah it's so perfect um also we have random couple interludes um, that are what? Okay, so I don't like sort of that sitcom, the the mid two thousand sitcom, The Office interludes of people talking to the camera. The, the mockumentary so, format, but it's so funny here. It works here mainly because it's partially because it's in small doses. Mm. Um, I just and, I, although with that, I, I I feel like I missed a joke. Who was that supposed to be with Dark Side? I that's that's Talia I, Al Ghul. Okay. <laughs> two power mad DC villains that I think are just thrown together for a random joke. Um, yeah. Also, I realized we didn't mention Jessica Walter was in this show as Granny Goodness. <laughs> oh, I, that is true. Oh, she is. I completely missed that because same episode, I she was also Kite Man's mom. Yes. That, uh, yes, that I'm is just trying true. to figure out who played Etrigan. Who voiced Etrigan? Oh, uh, John Stamos. Wow. Ha! Huh. I I don't 
think I would have, I wouldn't have guessed that, you know? Um, but yeah, Etrigan is here and he is great. He runs a sex shop, which is a choice. He, you know, yeah, you're right. I was going to say it's a spell shop, but you know, you're right. <laughs> it's a Joey, it's a sex J- shop. Jacob, 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 Jacob. It, we could be a little innocent. <laughs> yeah, it's a spell shop, but what people? What what are most people gonna use for? Gonna use magic for? Yeah, yeah. Um, incredibly funny though. I just I, I love this whole thing. It's it's it, like having having like such a long break from the show. I know obviously it wasn't a break for you, Jacob, because you just you were just caught up with the show and the thing came out. Um, but uh, but for me, it, it had been a while since uh, since uh, season three had ended and this came out, and it's just I, it reminds me so much of just why I love this show. Um, just just an incredibly fun ride, and uh, yeah, I, I was I would... also worried it wouldn't be able to sustain its pace for forty five minutes, but it really does. Oh no, yeah, it doesn't uh, feel like forty five minutes. It really doesn't, and it also doesn't feel really like two episodes like stitched together. It feels no. like it was. Oh no, it's 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 all its own thing. Yeah. Um, also, again, exploring Harley and Ivy's relationship and how nice it is and how they can trust each other. Also, we go back to Mama Macaroni's. As as you should. <laughs> and Harley's, Harley also, you know, says eat the rich. Well, shoot the rich in the face and kill them. But eat the rich. Yes. <laughs> um, and oh God, Clayface's plot. Oh, fuck. oh my fucking god! By Captain Boomerang, <laughs> and then gets and this chopped is in the half. Most prob- this is probably one of the more problematic elements. He gets chopped in half and falls in love with his own ass. Which and you know what? I don't. It's perfect. It's perfect. Like it works. <laughs> um, and okay, Bane's just turnoffs are so pedantic. I love it. Oh my god, it's so perfect. It's so perfect for that portrayal of the character. And you know what? It's a. I like how self-contained the episode is, while still like, like this couldn't happen anywhere else in the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't like. It's not like you know. It it doesn't feel like you're missing. You're necessarily missing in vital plot, but you are. You would be missing like vital character work. Yeah. uh, Or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just all the cameos of all the couples. Oh my god, yeah, I love those. Uh, <laughs> like you, you see the Joker, and and you know, and and he's you know he's happy. Kite Man and Golden Glider are happy. You see uh, Riddler and uh, Clock King for a second. <laughs> for a second, the you see, oh, you even, you even see for some a, reason. You even see Catwoman with uh, Bruce in prison. <laughs> yes, which is. <laughs> There are a lot of really nice little, and all of the couples are used, like or at least for recurring characters, are used for very nice little character moments. Even if those character you know, moments, you know, my have favorite zero dialogue. Was, you know, what my favorite interlude was actually the um, Which, the hawk the Hawkman Hawk Girl one. Yes, I loved that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's good. a very problematic Valentine's Day special, and and that's. That's what it's meant to be. Yeah, that's bring why on it season works. four. I'm so excited. I, I I cannot wait for this thing. It's gonna Do be. Do we great. know when season four is coming? I would assume either late this year or early next year. Yeah. So well, I here's hoping. We'll and please give us a series five season please, five. Please please, 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 please. Anyway, I guess that about does it, doesn't it? 
yes. that is that is our episode on Harley Quinn. Very great. I don't know how I'm going to title this thing. Do I title it Harley Quinn the Animated Series? I, I'd go with that. Yeah. The Animated anyway, Series, right. well, I, I guess find one out to three. Listening to this, wherever you're listening to it oh, on. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, because I guess to specify what we're talking about. So seasons one so, through three. Anyway, yes. um, I guess that about does it. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. It's great to have you back on. Always uh, a joy. Yeah, yeah. We're, um, we're definitely going to have you on again in the future, as always. Yes. Um, Are we going to? We need to get you on a numbered episode as well. We do. We do. Yeah, I, do. I need to have you read something sometime soon. Um, yes. Yeah, I got to get on that. Anyway, um, thank you all so much for listening. It really means a lot. Uh, I'll leave Marcus uh, your Twitter and YouTube linked in the description below. I'll have both of those down there. Uh, I'll have Jacob and I, Jacob and my own uh, link trees down in the description below. You can go check us out there. Um, and I guess that's that about does it. Check out other yes. things on the channel. We have Breaking Brian. We have uh, the Star Trek videos. The rest of Fresh Face Comics. It's all out there. Uh, yeah, we're we're as like as this is released, we are in the middle of the the Nightfall Saga, which is yes, yeah. It's going to be it's, a lot. It's going to yeah. be a lot. <laughs> but uh, incredibly fun, I hope. Um, we haven't actually recorded anything from it yet, but we have finished reading Volume 1. So yes. we're 600-odd pages down. So. Yes. And for me, 900-odd pages down. Look, you did not need to read the fucking Omni. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm actually kind of glad I did. Well, fuck you. Anyway, all right. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, until next time, this has been Joey Morgan. And Jacob Licklider. And Marcus Cotton. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.